This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hello once again, Foxborough friends and Patriots pals. We welcome you to the latest and always greatest edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, a presentation of WEI, Odyssey, and 2400 Sports. Your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens here, and what a cast of characters. What a return to action we have lined up. For Jets at Patriots Part 2, Electric Boogaloo, this time it's personal. Oh, it's very personal indeed. feel like the Jets left one on the field at Jet Life Stadium a couple of weeks ago. The Patriots winning the first round 22-17. to 17. And now with the snow globe, the shaken snow globe effect in order in the AFC East, where it's really anyone's division and all four teams are technically in the playoffs as of now with eight games to go the rest of the way. Each and every one of these conference, if not divisional games, means that much more. The Patriots, of course, having won the last 13 matchups between these two. Can they run it to two touchdowns with two extra points, or will they leave it at unlucky number 13? To help us preview this pivotal divisional showdown amongst rivals and enemies, we welcome in first from the very popular Turn On The Jets podcast, where Pats fans are not very often welcome and certainly not much admired. Will Parkinson, one of the hosts of Turn On The Jets, will join us to take us behind enemy lines. Then our pal Andy Hart will join the Boston Herald's Andrew Callahan for a little convo they had at Gillette Stadium on the state of Patriots Nation, what's wrong with the offense, and if they'll be able to fix it. During the bye week, then Andy and I will wrap things up with our preview, prediction, and so much more for this game. But first, let's turn on the Jets, or at least turn on the six rings, and welcome in Will Parkinson from Turn On The Jets. Pleased to be joined on the Six Rings podcast now by someone behind Green Enemy Lines. He is the host of Turn On The Jets, one of the most ferocious, feisty, and liveliest social media communities for New York Jetropolitan fans out there. The one, the only, Will Parkinson. What up, Will? Welcome to uh, your least favorite podcast in the world, my guy. <laughs> no, no. I've, I, had to do, uh, I had to do one Eagles one last year. Where they just told me how much the Jets sucked for like 45 minutes, and I was like... <laughs> Why'd you guys even have me on here? But uh, no, it's uh, Jets Pats week. It's, you know, we consider a rivalry. I'm sure you guys don't because um, if you lose all the time, it's kind of hard to be a rivalry. So, yeah, it's a little one sided. Like, you know, when you win 13 in a row, you start you may still feel rivalrous, but it is it technically a rivalry. I think it is now at this point because of how much closer the teams are in terms of talent to each other than they were in years of Gronkowski and Brady's past. But I want to begin with. Okay, we see these two teams are now probably much more commensurate commensurate in talent than they used to be. Yet at the same time, a couple of weeks ago, I was down there for the tailgate. I was outside the stadium right up till kickoff. Then we had to do our post-game show. I felt the 
That's it. It's over. Today is the day. We're here for Belichick's funeral. And Zach Wilson happened. So do you think Jets fans are actually over the disappointment of not beating the Patriots a few weeks ago enough to actually move on to this next round of Jets Pats? So it was funny. I saw a bunch of stuff this morning. People were like, anyone that's confident about this game, like, what are you thinking? Blah, blah, blah. Like, this is Jets, you know, Belichick after a bye. It's Zach Wilson or just, you know, young Jets quarterback against the Patriots. And I get, I get all of that. I also think the Jets much more lost the game, I think, to be fair, two weeks ago or three weeks or whatever it was, and then the Patriots winning it. And I know that's a lot of what the Patriots have been for a long time is they'll grind it out. They're going to make you make that one or two mistakes. That's a backbreaker, and they'll they'll capitalize and punish you. It's just that, that game two weeks ago, I think fans are – I think they're cautiously optimistic more than – people are really optimistic going into that game. They're going, Jets are at home. New jerseys, new uniforms. The Brickishaw Ferguson's getting retired. We're coming off a big win, uh, big multiple wins, and all this different stuff. And now it's like we just beat the Bills, but there was that bye week, so things kind of slow, simmered down a little bit. It's still going up to Foxborough, but as you mentioned, it, it's it's time. Um, if you're going to win, I I really genuinely feel like this one of the you have to split the Patriots going into the year. It was split with the Pats, split with Miami. And then try to split one with Buffalo if you can. But if you feel pretty good about it, if you split with you know uh, you know Buffalo and I mean uh, Miami and New England, and now you beat Buffalo, you've already just they destroyed Miami. They blew them out. They beat them forty to fucking seventeen, right? And the, you know they just beat Buffalo, and they're getting healthier and all that stuff. But I don't think anyone's going to take the Jets nationally as seriously as you want them to until they beat New England because they win this game. They're seven and three in sole possession of first place at Thanksgiving. No one thought that was going to happen. On the flip side, they lose this game. You're six and four. You're technically in last place all of a sudden. New England has a two-game advantage over you with a tiebreaker. And you're going, okay, maybe we beat Chicago, but now we have to go to Minnesota, to Buffalo, to Miami. Like all of a sudden it piles up as opposed to seven and three. You're going, eh, Minnesota's not that good. You know, they're all they're, they're good, but they're not that good. So this game is huge. And I think Jets fans are they think they're the better team, but they also know this is the Pats. You haven't beaten them. Brett Favre is the last starting quarterback in a regular season game to beat, you know, win in New England. Matt Castle was the starter on Thursday Night Football, you know, 13 years ago, 14 years ago. So it's been a while. Well, on paper, it looks like Zach Wilson is improving, is maybe becoming more of a game manager for a team that probably that's all they need with the defense and the rest of the offense, except I watched the last game and it was like he wasn't willing to be the game manager in that game. He threw it away. What's your trust level with Zach Wilson? And do you like the way after that game he immediately was like, yeah, we'll see them again in a couple of weeks. I still have my pads on. I'm ready to play right now. Like, do you like that aura that he's bringing to this matchup? Freaking chewing gum. Chewing oh, yeah. gum at oh, yeah. the podium. Hardo. What a jackass. I don't care. I don't care about stats was the big. Uh, I don't think the Jets beat reporters and appreciated that. Uh, appreciated that too much. Look, this thing with Zach, it's tough. I, I just talked about it on my show with Mike Giardi and who, you know, obviously covers the Pats for NFL Network and all that stuff. And he said the same thing of just be boring. It, it's okay. Like he's so talented and, and there is so much of that. But if Zach Wilson plays like 2021 first half of the Mac Jones, the Jets are going to probably win 11 or 12 games and they probably could win a playoff game. I mean, I think you guys, I'm sure we'll get into this. Both quarterbacks need to stop turning the football over at a rate that's not great. Zach Wilson, I believe 44% of his interceptions in his career against the Pats in two and a half starts. So it's not great. Um, it's that's, you know, it's, it's not been, it's been, he's thrown up or pissed down his leg, whatever you want to say, you know, the, the first game uh, week two last year, 
started to look a little bit better, obviously gets hurt uh, week seven or whatever that was in the blowout last year. And then I think he threw for a career high in yards. And there were some really nice things you saw from Zach early on in that game uh, a couple weeks ago. It was 10 to three. Jets are starting to get, they get the ball back before half. You're like, Zach might have, the white bulb might have come on. Like, this is, it looks good. And then lazy interception, just doesn't set his feet, guys open. And even that one, you kind of like, okay, whatever. They go into the half, he'll wipe it. The stuff that happened in the second half was just such a, that was disappointing. So the trust level is not high. Um, I think long term, people still think he could be the guy. And I think people understand look, they're five and one with him as the starter this year. They've been a much better football team, and that's all true. But I kind of just keep coming back to like, Bills ruined a lot of Jets quarterbacks. Darnold, it felt like I know some people were already out on Sam at that point, but the ghost game, I, I still think like there was other things that could have happened, but it felt like that was the tide where like Sam couldn't get back from that. And Sanchez, look, he went to two AFC title games. I'm not saying he was going to be anything special, but the butt fumble game was kind of the end of that Jets four year run. It all happens. You know, Smith never played well. I mean, I guess, you know, whatever, even it just, it feels like, you have to clear that hurdle. And this team on paper, you feel good about the, some of these matchups. You feel good about the defensive line. You feel good about the defense overall and sauce. And they kept Judon pretty much in check, you know, a couple weeks ago. But Devin McCourty's just sitting there playing center field saying, you're going to throw me the football. And, and that stuff can't happen. So if Zach can just be boring on Sunday, I, I genuinely think the Jets probably could win this football game. If Zach tries to do too much and starts – I don't know. He starts cutting the field in half and all of a sudden it's like there's six Patriots guys there. And like, why are you running around? Just take the sack, throw it away. Salah said it a million times this week. You got to go out and do it though. Cause too many Jets quarterbacks in the past have, it feels like every, the game's moving in slow motion for everybody else. And for the quarterback, it feels like they, they have this clock in their head. It goes off way sooner than it should. Yeah. So Belichick, obviously not just for the organization, but for Jets quarterbacks in general, like you said, like they're starting to be a graveyard, of Jets quarterback careers that have just been ended preemptively by Bill Belichick. And for Zach Wilson, this may be like a turning point or make or break game for his career, because like you said, he can run with the best of them. He can chuck it against his body with the best of them. He can improvise, go off platform, off script, but the decision-making isn't there. And, and, and to be boring, just like, like the 2021 Mac Jones, perfect comparison, because if he does play like that, like two touchdowns for every one pick, 3,800 something yards, whatever on the season. Like, yeah, you guys probably win 11, 12 games and you're a high wild card seed. And there's hope for the Jets, uh, you know, going forward, which seems like such a strange reality to live in. But that defense is ferocious. Um, but before we get a little further into that defense, I just want to get like the Jets take on speaking of like boring offense, the New England Patriots offense is boring as it's awful like watching the Patriots we just basically cheer for a former Jet every week in Nick Folk who's the MVP of the Patriots offense it's it's Folk and Ramondre Stevenson otherwise there's almost nothing else Jets have to worry about so what's the Jets feeling on the Patriots offensive ineptitude and dysfunction right now uh, I the confidence level in the defense is out of 10 like I think I genuinely feel like and this isn't just I feel this way but I think Jets fans feel this way they held the Bills to 17 points and just dropped three interceptions in that game. Like, you know, Josh Allen was pegging guys in the face with ball. Like, it doesn't um, – they feel good about where their defense is at. I think you look back at the Jets-Pats game a couple weeks ago, two big plays, there's one to Jacoby Myers, and it's, you know, man-beater, and someone, you know, gets lost. And 
to Ramondre Stevenson run that never should have happened because it wasn't even blocked properly. Jordan Whitehead sitting in the hole. He squared up with Ramondre. And for some reason, um, I'm not sure why he tried to tackle with Ramondre Stevenson with just his shoulder pads. You're not going to tackle a guy that talented like that. And, you know, he broke one off the beginning of the half. Other than that, like, I don't know, Matt got sacked six or seven times. He threw one interception. The other one, like, I think if you're the Jets, that's why, like, I just, I know I keep relating about this, but Zach being boring, throwing it away, even punting, like, on Sunday gives you a better chance than just doing something stupid because you feel good about, I mean, not that they're going to shut New England out, but you feel good about, if you get to 20 points, you feel pretty good if you're a Jets, a Jets defense. Can we get to 20? Can we even get to 17 if we feel good we could turn them over? Um I think you feel good from defense, but the Patriots offense is so confusing to me. I don't understand all summer. It's all wide zone. We're going to do all this different stuff. We're going to hire pencil guy and, you know, <laughs> and quarterback sneak Joe judge. And, and, we're going to, and all I'm going to call him that from now uh, on, by the pencil way, guy, pencil, pencil guy. guy. I mean, getting a head coaching job after giving up the most oh. yards in Super Bowl history is will never not be funny to me, but, oh. and it just, it oh. didn't, it felt like a stubborn bill move. And, and look, when you've won as much as he has, obviously, you know, as the, the title of the pod, like, I get it. And you're allowed to do that. And it's all true. But also Josh McDaniels might be a terrible head coach, which is pretty much proven at this point. He's a great offensive coordinator. I think we can all accept like as much as Brady is great. It, there's also Josh, you know, drawing that stuff up. You felt like the tight ends were more involved last year. You're paying Hunter Henry and John Smith a lot of money. Nelson Aguilar and all these guys are still making a lot of money, even if they're not excellent. And it just, it's weird because the Patriots defense where it's a lot of it's Julian and then it's a lot of guys where it's either, you know, draft picks or a lot of KG veterans. It's like they're performing way better than maybe you would expect in the offense where it just, it's frustrating to watch them play offense. So I guess to answer your question, the confidence level is very high playing the Patriots offense. It's, but what you can't do is give them short fields, which we saw a couple of weeks ago, a bad punt, a missed kickoff, all these different things. And then, you know, it's, uh, that's where you, that's where you kind of get in trouble and you give New England free possessions, which you can't do. Jets obviously had a great draft. Sauce Gardner. Uh, unfortunately, Brees Hall gets hurt. What is the status of maybe James Robinson's role and sort of getting more credibility or efficiency in the backfield? Yeah, so he he gets traded. I believe he got traded on Monday night. Played that week against the Pats. Didn't look great. He just kind of looked like a your every you know run of the mill running back. Then looked really good. Like the beginning of the first half of the Bills game was like, I'm like, man, like he doesn't look great. Like there is something, I don't know if he's not healthy or what it is. He right before the game, there was a knee soreness thing that pops up. And then the last drive of the game, rushes for like 60 yards, is running people over. You're like, wow, okay, this is great. He said he talked about this week. The week off was helpful, you know, closed out his house in Jacksonville. Like his life is now a little bit more normal in New York. He said the knee feels better. Um, this is a guy obviously coming off the Achilles, had a little bit of, you know as anyone does, usually when you get something else hurt, someone else on your body, you know, ankle gets hurt, the knee starts hurting the next year, vice versa. Um, he should play a much bigger role. He's kind of more of that one cut power back for the Jets. Then you have Michael Carter, who's more of, you know, a little bit more elusive, makes guys miss. He's played generally pretty well against the Pats in the first couple of games, but obviously um, the Jets need to be able to, they need to stay in the lead or close to be able to run the football. I think the Patriots feel the same way. You can't get into a shootout. Of course, I'm sure we're talking about all, you know, get to 20 and this game will end up somehow 42 to 39 and right. Mac Jones and Zach throw for seven in, touchdowns. Like, honestly, I would take the Madden disc out and I would uh, accuse it of being drunk or I would break it and say, give me one that works because I just can't see how this game, you say the first one to 20, last game was 22 to 17. 
And a lot of that was because of those ridiculous throws from Zach, from Zach Wilson as well. Patriots only looked alive on one drive in that entire game. And that's when they actually allowed Mac Jones to kind of go tempo. And it was just all Mac Jones, Ramondre Stevenson, and Jacoby Myers on the opening drive of the second half. But otherwise, they were stagnant. I mean, Quinn and Williams and the defensive line lived in the backfield the entire first half. Now, the Patriots offensive line should be healthier for this game. And Patriots defense should be healthier to this in this game as well. It's going to be freezing cold outside. Um, I, I think we're looking at just like NFL films, quality throwback, smash mouth football 101. Uh, it, you know, a brutal affair at times, but to the winner go the spoils. For Patriots fans, I know it's all about sauce. Yeah, I read that stat where it's like throw you throw the outside sauces way, quarterbacks have a 44 rating. Throw to the other what's the other guy? The other uh, DJ Reed. DJ Reed only have a 56 rating. So throw him to the outside against the Jets. It's not gonna happen. It's all gonna be up the gut and maybe get the tight ends involved. But for Patriots fans, if we're not talking about Quinn and Williams or Sauce Gardner as a defensive difference maker, who should they have their eyes on Sunday? So I'm not gonna give you the, the CJ Mosley's of the world who are CJ is a really great player. Bill's talked about him, you know, on and on this week about how he knew all the Patriots calls. <laughs> CJ's been CJ's been doing that. I know Jets fans were like, oh, this is so bad. The Patriots Dude, CJ does this every game. There's a there's a viral clip last year against the Titans. It's third and eight. The Jets were a man. He checked them in the cover three. Tannehill got confused and they got a huge sack. So, like this happens all the time. CJ is a great player. There's I'm gonna give you Bryce Huff. I'm not just saying because he's been on my podcast a bunch of times. He's got the second best PFF rush grade of anybody in the NFL out of the edge position this year. He's only played like 90 or 95 snaps. He's strictly he can play more than three downs. I mean, he can play all three downs, but he's pretty much their third down, third and five plus. He comes in and he gets pressure 24, 25% of the time, which is insane. I mean, it's it's Miles Garrett, TJ Watt level stuff. Again, wow. it's obviously a reduced role. It's not every down, which is why it's so crazy. These guys do that Judon as well. Bryce Huff's been a difference maker when he wasn't active week one, two, or three. The Jets were playing those power run teams in Cleveland um, and Baltimore. They were, he had some back stuff too, and it was whatever. But since then, you know, since he's been playing, they're five and one in the past rushes. They've gone from like 12th or 14th in EPA per play to, to two or three right behind New England um, and uh, I believe Denver and then the Jets and, and Buffalo. So Bryce Huff's number 47. He's an edge rusher for them. He's, like I said, third down, any type of throwing situation. Um, he's wreaked havoc. They usually then kick John Franklin Myers, who's an edge inside with Quinn Williams, and then they'll play Jermaine Johnson, a rookie, or Carl Lawson um, at the other edge position. So they try to get pressure with four, and Bryce Huff's been a huge factor in that the last six weeks. So if you believe the uh, the 538 numbers, and I'm always sort of hesitant to believe some of those numbers, um, this is a huge game for the Patriots. I think it drops to like 14% chance to make the playoffs if they lose which I actually agree with. I think damn, because they're at like 60% right now. Wow. And, and the Jets can lose the game, still make the playoffs. I forgot the exact numbers, but it also, you talked about it a little bit earlier, feels like, you know, there's sort of this measuring stick, hump, hurdle, Belichick thing. And I'll get that to, back to sort of Robert Sala. Is this team, and is he developed enough in his role to overcome a loss this week? Or is this kind of a must-win game for them? I was just having this debate about who it means more to and everyone in, up, you know, in Boston, the New England area, whatever you want to phrase it feels like this is must win for the Pats. We, we own the jets. This is better for us. We need to get this game. We still have Buffalo twice in Miami and all that. Yes. I go with the, I go, this is more must win for the jets in this aspect. They lose this game. 
you now are down two games basically in the standings to New England because you have no tiebreaker over them. And you're going to go up to Miami and Buffalo, and odds are you're going to probably at best split that. You kind of have to get this game. And being able to be at first place, you still have to go to Seattle, still have to go to Minnesota, still have to go to Buffalo, still have to go to Miami. So there's, you know, hopefully you maybe split those, whatever. They've only got three home games remaining, which are all winnable games. But this Patriots game, it's such a mental hurdle. And I know these guys talk about it. They've talked about it all week. Sauce Garner after the Bills game. Doesn't even want to talk about the Bills game. He's like, we want the Patriots. And that's great. I love that. It's refreshing to hear that. You have to admit sometimes when you're getting bullied and you got to kind of respond to it. But I do think the Patriots like are in a situation where they they still can get that seven seed if they lose this game. The Jets, it's just it would be such a Jets thing to have happen. They lose this week. It comes down to week 17, week 18. They're tied with New England. New England gets in with the tiebreaker. That's like what it feels like if they lose. And if they win, I don't think it crushes New England as much. I just feel like this is a veteran team. They've been there. I still think they're going to – like I still think they probably beat Minnesota on Thursday Night Football or whatever. Like I still think they can eke out a few games where maybe they shouldn't. Um, the Jets are a young team with so much confidence right now. It's like you'd hate to see coming off a win against Buffalo by week. The city is like – really bought into what the Jets and Giants are doing, as they should be. They've been bad for a long time now. To go up to New England and, like I said, going into the year, you had to split with the Patriots. It just feels like you would have obviously rather get that game at home. That way this game would have been – the Jets have no pressure in this game. The Jets are 7-2. and two, You know, and they went, like they've got the monkey off their back. New England's reeling. They need this game. New England's won two in a row. They're coming off a bye. Again, it's just – there's that mental hurdle, and I don't care what anyone says. It's a real thing. Yeah, mental. Yeah, they haven't been here, a lot of these guys, for a long time. But the Patriots beat them two weeks ago. And if you feel like you threw one away, the last thing you want to do is throw another one away. So I still think it's more important for the Jets, um, just slightly more in the mental aspect. But I understand from the standings perspective with the Patriots where it's like moving to five and five. Now you're starting to go, where is the next four wins coming from? I think Patriots fans would obviously love to see a Jets win here because that would clear out a more distinct path to the playoffs. But Pats fans would also just like to see some progress and some growth from this offense. And going up against one of the top defenses in the NFL, the great outside corners. You got two quarterbacks that have just been playing lousy against pressure. The, t- the bottom two rated quarterbacks in the NFL against pressure are Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. So whatever team can generate the most pressure, whatever team can create the most misfortune and the most turnovers is likely to come out on top Sunday. I got a low scoring affair on Sunday. Uh, I think it could go either way. I might even actually be leaning more towards jets just because if they can take the turnovers back, then maybe they can get one, but who knows? I mean, then again, like you said, Belichick happens. I would like to point out Andy Belichick coming off a bye at home. One and seven against the spread, and the Patriots are three and a half points. See, look at that smile on Will's face. I was going to bring they, it up. I they, was going to bring it up. They, that was going to be my stat. They're feeling themselves. The yep. Jets are feeling themselves a little bit. Got to watch out. Could be <laughs> dangerous, Will. Listen, thanks for the insight. Thanks for the perspective. Uh, I hope the game is feisty. I hope it's fun. I love that there's juice back, that this may actually become a rivalry again. Uh, you guys can listen to Turn on the Jets wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Pods, and whatnot. They got a great community down there. He's at willpaw 11 Thanks so much, Will. And uh, any yeah. parting shots you want to sneak in before we go? No, I just I, – as the 2004 will never leave my mind. It, I have nightmares about uh, Aaron Boone, that absolute loser, <laughs> ruining our franchise. Um, never should – I would have rather lose in 2003. I, my life would be so much better. Um, but eventually Boston had to win, and ever since then it's flipped. And I know that's not always the way rivalries work, but – 
you have to get the monkey off your back. You know, my dad went to Navy. Once Army finally got it off their back, all of a sudden the rivalry is like spicy again. I think for the sake of this rivalry, I'd like to see not only from the Jets' perspective, but the Jets winning a game here. So that way it's like you go into next year, you're like, all right, Jets-Pats is like a legit New York-Boston. Both teams are in a similar spot. They're well-coached, whatever. Um, I, I'm not sure I can talk about, you know, Brett Favre winning in, in Foxborough or the Mark Sanchez. Like, the Mark Sanchez game was so cool. Guess what? It was 12 years ago. Sauce Gardner was in 10th or 5th grade. I'm over it. <laughs> Fuck off and win a game. <laughs> it well, feels like – yeah, it feels like being a guy in your 30s. You're like, hey, man, I was uh... – I was a varsity captain my junior year. Like, yeah, dude, you're 30 now. You're supposed yeah, to have a yeah. you're supposed to have a 401k. That craft beer was hitting that guy a little too hard. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Will Parkinson from Turn On the Jets. Thanks very much, and have a good one Sunday, guy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Will. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We thank Will Parkinson from Turn on the Jets. Always have to love a behind enemy lines, rivalrous and spirited dialogue and debate. Make sure you give that podcast a follow if, of course, you like hearing about how much somebody else admires envies or hates the patriots as well they're good guys they've been at it for a long time they do a terrific job down there and as you can tell uh they're they they kind of licking their chops a little bit this week and i think they think this is theirs but we keep hearing that it's their time that now is their occasion their opportunity and it hasn't been for a long time so just another one of the many reasons why this game is so intense and people are anticipating it now Let's make our way to the Patriot side of the street. Our buddy Andy Hart caught up with an excellent Patriots beat reporter and follow, our guy Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald, on just what the hell is going on down here? What's up with this offense and the general state of affairs in Patriots Nation? Take a listen. Back here on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast for our weekly interview with a beat writer from Gillette Stadium. And this week we have a very special beat writer, the president of of beat writers here in Foxborough, Boston Herald's Andrew Callahan. And I joke about that because Andrew is indeed the president of the local chapter of the PFWA. And let's start there. What's it like to be the, I guess, uh, face, voice, and head of the media in New England where we know Bill Belichick is a huge fan of coverage and the media? Well, if you want to know why I went bald at 30, um, that's it right there. But no, seriously, it's a lot of conversation with Stacey James, the head of their PR department, who, look, uh, he, he might expect me to say something nice because I have to see him all the time, but genuinely does a phenomenal job under very difficult circumstances, not only just for us in the media, but for him, because you mentioned Bill is very strict with certain policies. So it's a lot of texting with Stacy, uh, which initially set my then girlfriend, now fiance off wondering, you're talking to the Stacy very late at night. <laughs> he's a man, he's married, he's, he's just for work. So yeah, it's really more about that and trying to get ahead of, you know, what guys are going to speak at the podium and Hey, when this quarterback like Mac Jones isn't available to the first three games of the season, why is that? Or what are the league rules because as we know the Patriots like to find loopholes and sometimes it means having to go to the NFL but uh, it's just also we get the right access that fans want and that everyone for the most part is you know following by the rules set by the league do you look at your job differently having experienced this the last couple years and do you have to play a little bit of a Belichickian cat and mouse back and forth game a little bit more 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, there are certain instances where, like, for example, we talked to the assistant coaches, like, you know, once every two weeks, and they had a game. I think it was actually just uh, coming off the Monday night game. They were playing the Jets. Normally, we talk to them on Tuesday. When you come off a Monday night game, A, obviously, you got no sleep. B, you have one game to one day to game plan, and then you go right back to practice on Wednesday. So Stacey comes to me and says, hey, can we move the assistants to Friday or later in the week? And I'm like, sure, because at some point, like any work relationship, you want to build up some goodwill. And so you're mindful of that is also, look, this is not where we're trying to be a pain in your ass. You know, we understand you're going to do as minimal as possible as just the organization under Belichick that's won a lot. But, you know, we're here in good faith, too. So, yeah, there's a little bit of politicking and understanding that, yeah, we can be flexible. Let's just make sure we don't get him at like four o'clock on a Friday because everyone listening, reading, watching is already going to be going off to do whatever their weekend plans are. And that's what we want to do is get coaches early so we can have the content for everyone to enjoy at home on their schedule. And we haven't had, and I don't think they're actually allowed to do this anymore, the old days of last day of the month, first day of the month, bang it out two straight days, nothing happened in between, nothing to talk about with those guys. So you're doing a fine job. Um, So let's get into the team. Enough about the media. No one cares about the media and what we bitch about. Oh, they don't talk to us enough or easy, whatever. So I'm going to ask you a simple question, big picture question. Second half of the season for the Patriots coming out of the bye. Are you optimistic or pessimistic? I think I'm more optimistic than consensus, but I don't think that says a whole lot given the media around here. And I don't say that as like this is all New England negative Northeastern kind of like attitude about the team. I think it's just it's fair to say you can't learn a whole lot when you're playing quarterbacks like Sam Ellinger, Jared Goff, and Jacoby Brissett and then losing to Justin Fields. Like you're going to learn a lot more against this Jets team, which is more talented than you. I just think if you're at 6-4, and four, you've got a real chance to make the playoffs. And everyone's looking at this game, I think rightfully so, as – their playoff hopes hinge against the Jets. So I would just say, look, you're three-and-a-half-point favorites for a reason. You should beat them. It's at home. And right now I think everyone is kind of, oh, no, what's going to happen? And they very well could lose. I just think they're fairly slotted as favorites. And that, for whatever reason, makes me feel like I'm in the minority. And when you've beaten a team 13 times in a row, you're probably supposed to beat them the 14th <laughs> time in a row at home. So obviously one of the big talking points going into the bye, coming out of the bye, Matt Patricia, the offense, what you're doing. And I think there, even Bill Belichick talked about it today when asked by Phil Perry, like, can you make big changes to scheme? And Bill obviously went into it. You can make big changes. You can make little changes. All depends on what you want to do. First of all, my question would be, do you think they believe they need to make big changes offensively? And kind of jumping off from that, are they capable of being a better offense than we've seen? Significantly better offense. The second question, yes, and that just starts with protection and then also Mac playing well under pressure, which really is a small sample of all of your offensive plays because you're talking about probably 50-50 split, right, run and pass, and then of all your pass plays right now, they've had about 30% of those under pressure. But Mac has been a disaster under pressure, and it's not all his fault. He can only hold on to the ball, you know, if everyone's covered and there's nowhere to go with it. But they need to be better in those instances because, as I'm writing for the Herald this week, he has as many throwaways as interceptions under pressure, and that's just an untenable rate. Get rid of the ball, live to see another down. To the first question, I think they wanted to make big changes at the start. This was a downfield passing game leading the league in average depth per target, and you got rid of the fullback, you're not playing any more two-back offense, and they found out that big change is pretty hard. So I think now you just go, how can we fix our biggest problems and start with the top of the priority list where right tackle has been a revolving door for pressure or quarterback obviously is unsettled. If you take care of those two things, you can kind of run whatever you want, big changes, and I don't think you'll have to make those if you make those two fixes in the first place. So do you have faith in – So I mean, basically the way Bill Belichick talked today – he likes Mike Onwenu at guard. So the people that thought maybe he'd bump out to tackle and win bumps into guard, 
I would put that idea away because it felt like Bill put that idea away today. So it feels like with David Andrews back on the practice field, we're back to the offensive line that kind of started the year, this expectation that it's Brown, Cole Strange, because I know he got benched a couple times, but you don't really have any other great options. So young fellow, get back out there and be better. Uh, Andrews in the middle on Wenu and Win. Do you, you, you mentioned right tackle. Do you have faith in Win that he can – get out of this funk, whatever it is with him at right tackle, and maybe he's not happy to be there in a contract year. I don't know what it is. Do you have faith that he can – because I do agree with you. The offensive line is where it all starts. Is he capable of, of getting out of this funk and, and being good enough for them to then have confidence to drop back and throw the ball, for Mac to have confidence? I'd like to say yes. There's just no evidence of that. You know, like you would think, okay, the first few weeks and Isaiah Wynn is giving up. He had a streak of five straight games with a sack – and a penalty. One of those would be a bad game for an offensive lineman, unfair as that is when you're playing, what, 60 to 70 snaps. But you can't have both, and certainly not both as consistently as he did. And you would think there would be at least some sort of progress with him. But you look at the two of the last three games that they played, he's been benched at right tackle. And you're having Marcus Cannon come off the street at age 34 from working on a farm in Texas to come play his old position in New England. You have Yanni Kajust, who's coming off of IR, thrown right into the fire and starting against the Colts. And they've all played roughly at the same level. Cannon's been a little bit better as a run blocker. I think Wynn, and this is no fault of his own, is just someone who can't switch sides. We saw this with Matt Light even 20 years ago. Great left tackle, couldn't play on the right side. And I think that's why, instead of moving him to right guard and flipping him and Onwenu, the guard spot they're playing him is at left guard, obviously because Cole Strange you know, has been starting there and then got benched, but he's a guy that just has to play better on the left side. So do you think Wynn is the right tackle, or is should some consideration be made to putting Trent Brown back at right tackle where he's been good? And, and I mean, they have options. They don't have a lot of guys, and maybe the options aren't great, but they have a couple options, or is it what I just said? Are we back to that normal offensive line? I think you're back to the normal offensive line because when you move Trent Brown around, I think you're just kind of, I don't know what the expression is, stealing from Peter to pay Paul. Like, you're just going to create another problem over there because Wynn has been drilling at right tackle since the spring. And I know they had conversations in the front office dating back to March and February about where you could move him in case he signed a certain offensive lineman or traded for another. So they clearly don't see him as a strength of left tackle, and I think that would only get reaffirmed in his first couple games back there let's say starting Sunday which are your biggest games of the season like we've all been talking about you can't make the playoffs if you don't win this game in all likelihood and so you can't afford to just try something out and experiment there you just really have to hope that either win gets better or the coaches start helping him a little bit more and that's with a quicker passing game that's with chipping with running backs that's having occasional double teams with tight ends or just keep these six-man protections and slide to his side so Trent Brown's played 100% of the snaps I see a lean in him a little bit more if he's healthy and you just have to roll with that because the personnel's got to change, not going to change. You couldn't have made a deal at the deadline as far as I heard. And when is your most talented guy of him, Cannon, and Yanni could just a fourth-year backup who, again, give up five pressures against the Colts. Like, it's, it's on par for win, but, you know, he's a lesser talented guy. So, Matt Patricia um, is the center of the Patriots offense right now, whether for better or for worse, whether he likes it, whether any of us like it. Um, I know it's kind of open season on him. People like to take pot shots at him that I – I personally feel are a little unfair. Um, I think he was put in a tough position by his boss, Bill yeah. Belichick. And but do you is the, so we're talking about when can he fix it or the line can is Matt Patricia in the role he's in play calling predictable taking on criticism from guys not just like you and I or not just fans but Dan Orlovsky's of the world like experienced NFL analysts is Matt Patricia 
capable of being better enough leading this offense down the stretch for them to be better because we know the defense is going to face some challenges. You're probably going to have to score more points to win games over the second eight, second half of the year, the final eight games. Is Matt Patricia the man for the job? I mean, man for the job, probably not. But similar to win is like you got to work with what you got. You know, you got to go into war with who's next to you. And right now that's Matt Patricia. I think you do have some hope that with more experience you get better. Again, I just said we haven't seen any evidence of that from win. But if you cut the season off at six games, you know, they have that big win at Cleveland. You look at that game as I did and say they made excellent adjustments against a brown a bad browns defense which we can admit but that showed progress from a guy who was kind of banging his head against the wall at miami and then pittsburgh where he finished the game with some good adjustments against the steelers but then you go against the colts who had a top seven run defense and he's handing the ball off in eight of their first 11 first down plays and you're not playing with two tight ends when they were the worst defense in the league against two tight end personnel so Yes, I think there's evidence that he can get better, and I think you're not going to hand the reins to Joe Judge, who my understanding is is as involved as some other guys with the passing game plan. It's not just on him like it was with, obviously, Josh McDaniels when he was a quarterback's coach. So you need more from Troy Brown. Vinny Sinceri's involved, Nick Cayley, like, But I think as far as the play calling goes, you just have to hope Matt Patricia took that bye week and said we need to lean into some of, and this is Bill's words, complimentary plays to offset what some defenses are starting to predict and jump on against the Colts, against the Jets. You mentioned them needing more, and um, this is a while now because we've settled into Judge and Patricia. It is what it is. We had those debates in the offseason. But you mentioned his name that could contribute more. Why was Nick Cayley not a real option? Why? Like I look at his resume and say he was the obvious next in line. He was tight end coach, which is involved in the passing game, the running game. He was in all those meetings with Josh McDaniels forever. He was in meetings in the past with Dante Scarnecchia. Why is Nick Cayley not the centerpiece of this offensive coaching staff? It's a good question uh, for Bill, who wouldn't who wouldn't tell us, because you also look at him as most experienced off offensive assistant, but he's also coaching the position that's most involved in the offense, right? Like after quarterback, as a tight end, you need to know all the run blocking schemes. You need to know certain pass blocking schemes, especially with play action, and obviously run a lot of routes. So he's a guy who's coaching all facets of the offense, and you look at the coaches who've gone on to be head coaches across the league. Ryan Dayball started here as a tight end coach. Sean McVay was a tight ends coach once upon a time. Even Arthur Smith down in Atlanta, tight ends coach. These guys understand offense. So I think the reason, if I had to guess, because, again, this is a question for Bill, is is probably similar to, you know, why they didn't want to poach Bill O'Brien, who obviously has, you know, ties to Alabama and the Nick Saban stuff put that to the side. He wants to be a head coach one day. If they felt that Nick Cayley was a flight risk, you don't want to keep going through all these offensive coordinators year after year. I believe Kaylee's contract is up after this season, and if not next, and that to me would be the big reason why. You say he'll just have to swallow this pill of Matt Patricia leaping, leapfrogging him in the coaching rankings, and until then, just sit tight, coach tight ends, because Bill believes in Patricia, but I think the best choice for this year would have been Nick Kaylee, someone who's been in the offense and works with a position that touches all corners of it. Okay, so I posted a column this morning that didn't get great reaction um, with the idea that Matt Patricia should have turned the job down. That Matt Patricia should have, as I said, uh, Dirty Harry said, man's got to know his limits. That he should have known his limits. It wasn't a good idea. It wasn't really logical. I mean, this is an aeronautical engineer. He looks at things logically. Now, I know he probably has a lot of confidence and ego, and we all do. Do you think he should have considered that, like should have known? Because we all seem to feel in the spring this could be bad. <laughs> this could be a disaster that, you know, I know Christian Fourier was early on the Mac's going to regress. There's going to be a regression in your quarterback, and that's – Maybe the worst byproduct of all of this is Mac. Should he have considered turning the job down? 
Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he's if you go to Matt Patricia's detractors, and let's not you know keep the New England media out of it, right? Like we hadn't seen him most of the last four years. You go to Detroit and the players that were coming out of there, ex-players Matt Patricia's had, they'll tell you he's just arrogant. Like there's an ego-soaked nature of how he handles himself and conducts his business, which to me would point to a person who feels like they could take on any job or perhaps even two. Like he maybe doesn't turn down the role as your kind of lead offensive assistant. Um, but if you don't, then – Decline the offensive line position. You know, take on the offensive coordinator role, even if it's without the title, call whatever you want. That's a job unto itself. So is coaching offensive line, which after coaching, you know, quarterbacks is the most important assistant job on any staff down from the coordinators. And so you're you're coaching the largest position group, one that's going to, you know, totally generate your run game and obviously protect your quarterback. That's huge. Like the reason, you know, he's not paying attention to them on the sideline, even if he's calling plays and talking with the quarterbacks, it's too much. And I think our, our buddy Tommy Kern was on this as far as I heard earlier. He's been a pos- put in a position to fail like you said and I think that's just been borne out so yeah I think turning down one of the two at least uh probably would a wise idea okay so I avoided it I think we need to get to Mac Jones because he is the franchise quarterback I say with some hesitancy I don't even know um at the end of last year we thought he was the franchise quarterback like he was going to be here for the foreseeable future I've used the phrase broken I think he's been broken over everything that's happened from summer like early training camp, you know, I know a lot of people were like, eh, all those reports about early training camp, it doesn't look that bad. No, 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 it looks that this is the Mac we've seen, the guy who has to pull the ball down and run or spin out the backside of the pocket and try to do things that I don't think he really wants to do, aren't really part of his skill set. As Orlovsky says, his superpower when drafted was his brain, his decision-making, his accuracy, and other things are keeping him from maximizing or utilizing those. Do you think Mac is broken right now? And do you think there is a question internally as to whether Mac is the guy? Or is this just a a rough patch? After the honeymoon's over, this is a rough patch in a long marriage. I think the second question, yeah, I don't think they know for certain. Because now we're getting to a sample where you can't just say the entirety of his rookie season was so smooth. Because statistically, yes, it was one of the best ones. But in the latter half of that year, his play really dipped. And it was probably just because... Look, he's a kid who came off a national championship campaign, jumped right into the combine, the workout, straight into here, quarterback competition. You just kind of run out of gas. But that play has continued so far this year where he's ranked among the worst quarterbacks in the league. Pick any metric. And, yes, a lot of that has to do with the coaching and the person all around him. But I just don't think there's a lot of evidence to say, yes, he's definitively a franchise quarterback, top 10, 12, 15, whatever, moving forward. As for the other part being broken, I I don't think he's broken to a point of no return. Excuse me. But I think – you can fix him. It's just a very fine line. Like, he's not someone who's going to elevate an offense or create offense on his own like a lot of these dual-threat quarterbacks can, which I've equated to, you know, guys in the NBA who can get a bucket late in the shot clock. Like, third and seven, everyone's covered. You're in the red zone late in the game. You need to either be able to run or extend to play long enough like a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and forget the arm talent for a second, so that your receivers can get open or you score yourself. Mac Jones is never going to do that. So in that environment, you need to make everything around him much better. And I think the coaching needs to bring the passing game closer to the line of scrimmage, not lead the league in average depth of target like they did weeks one through three. You need to generate more quick game, more play action, more RPOs, because those are stuff that we saw him thrive with at Alabama. Forget the receiving talent. The scheme and the protection needs to be better because when he's in a clean pocket, he's very accurate. He's very smart. And now you're just not letting him do that because of all the interference of the things we've already covered. So transitioning into this game, and it's another matchup of 2021 first-round quarterbacks, which um, 
hasn't gone so well this season. Justin Fields won that matchup, embarrassed Mac Jones, the Patriots, and sort of catapulted himself to a new level. I think people are more positive on Justin Fields of late, in part because of what started against the Patriots. Now you have Zach Wilson, who I believe lost the game for the Jets last time around. <laughs> I think the Patriots could have been blown out if it weren't for that flag in the second quarter, and certainly the Jets could have won the game at least if Zach Wilson didn't do Zach Wilson things. The funny thing is, Zach Wilson isn't doing Zach Wilson things against other teams. He's now 5-1. and one. He's become a bit of a game manager. And do you find it in any way interesting that the, the gunslinger in New York is becoming kind of a game manager to win games, and the game manager in New England was asked to maybe become a little bit more gunslinger to start the year and isn't really uh, suited to, to live that lifestyle, so to speak? And are we seeing a re-tiering once again of those – 2021 quarterbacks with Zach Wilson maybe <gasps> jumping over Mac Jones, which I never thought I'd say. Yeah, it's a really good point about them kind of switching styles because, you know, in that game against the Jets, Mac Jones came back to being Mac Jones. Like, you still had the turnover, but his arm got hit. The pick six, yeah. Jacoby Myers ran the wrong route. But Zach Wilson absolutely imploded. In the games he hasn't imploded, the Jets win because you can still win with a game manager in the NFL in 2022 with scoring down, rushing up, and defense is starting to play better. I think the Patriots – Really, they'll have you know, the right game plan for Zach Wilson, which is we're going to force you out of the pocket. We're going to play too high. We're going to make you be patient and frustrate you because we know inevitably you're going to throw one up. And Miles Bryant told me this in the locker room after that game. It was a similar game plan he had for him in 2019 when Miles Bryant playing at Washington played Zach Wilson at BYU, and he was like, we just know he's going to throw one up. So certain teams, you know you can get away with that. But if Zach Wilson matures, that's really the battleground here because the Patriots, yes, pressured him about – 40 to 45% of the snaps, any quarterback inevitably is going to get flustered. But not flustered to the point that he's trying to throw a ball away and Devin McCourty's like, oh, thank you very much, along the sideline, another pick. So, yeah, I think it's interesting, but, you know, the talent with Wilson is there. I still just wouldn't bet on him over Mac Jones because Mac Jones' bad mistakes are not from, like, just horrific judgment. It's just bad judgment. And you can still get by with that more than what Zach Wilson's been doing against the Patriots. So, uh, this game, a... You said it earlier, could decide the Patriots' postseason path or fate. Do you believe the Patriots beat the Jets? And then bigger picture, if they do, do you think they make the playoffs? Are they a playoff team? This is tough because I, I wrote a piece earlier this week saying their odds will go down to 17% according to 538, but then you start playing around with 538. Well, if the Bills lose and then the Dolphins lose, that goes up a little bit. And all these things have to happen where we have to remember we're basically at the half point of the season. Now, Thanksgiving comes. Belichick always says that's when football starts. Everybody knows the schedule gets really tough. There is a world in which the Patriots lose to the Jets and go on the road against primetime Kirk Cousins and win on Thanksgiving against the better Vikings team because that's football. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And either way, win this week, lose the next, lose this week, win the next. You're at 6-5. and five. So I think they beat the Jets, which would put them at 6-4. and four. Your odds look really good. And regardless of what happens down the stretch, I think they're going to be in the mix because there's another world in which you could be eight and nine or nine and eight and still in and still in there. I think they get to nine and eight, but their fate really will be in somebody else's hands come week 17 and 18 against the Dolphins and Bills. who are obviously going to put up a big fight. And you were hoping, honestly, probably the Buffalo rest of starters that last week. That's not going to happen now. So that'll depend on everything that happens outside of New England because the Patriots aren't good enough, I don't think, to kind of run the table here against those teams. And so if they can get to 10 wins, it looks great. But I think this is still probably a 9-8, and 8-19. Eight, eight and so you, I was, that was going to be the last question, but you made me think of something else. Yeah. Robert Kraft has been um, pretty pointed in his criticism the last couple off seasons about drafts, about not winning a playoff game, about wanting to be a contender annually. So your season, 
they're in it into the last week. Maybe they make it and get blown out like last year. Maybe they don't make it. But if they don't show significant improvement over the course of the second half of the season, how does that sit with the man that sits in a really nice office on the second floor of the building we are in right now at Gillette Stadium? And do we see ramifications from that in the offseason, whether it be coaching staff, uh, front office, power struck, anything? Do we see changes based on that? I'm not there yet. I understand why people are because, again, like the comments you said in March, you know, he's going to say we haven't made the playoff, won a playoff game in three years. The rest of the league's going like, yeah, welcome. That's that's life around here for 31 other franchises. But ultimately, I think the like any sort of change would just be Kraft initiating a conversation with Belichick about probably Patricia or how are we going to help Mac or what's going on with the defense. And then the result of those conversations, though, I still think will be wherever Belichick wants to take him because he has the trump card of all up and leave. Like, he's been in New England and happened in New England because, yes, they've won. They've won because he gets to call the shots. As soon as that power is infringed upon, as much as Robert Kraft has every right to infringe upon that power as the owner of the franchise, Belichick will, will, will leave. And then you're left with, well, how do we rebuild with a new coach or who do you pick to replace him? So I think they'll find some sort of happy medium. And if Be- Kraft says, like, look, you need to move Patricia elsewhere or have some some sort of consult maybe that's the change but I think Belichick is going to put up as much pushback against any kind of idea because they'll have a ton of cap space Max still in a rookie contract very team friendly and you can add a couple more weapons or fix the offensive line and now you're ready to take off there's still a ways away from that as we sit here at five four going oh can they beat the Jets but I, I just I'm not there yet where Kraft forces him out the door because you'll still have made the playoffs you know last year and you know, you're, you're working with a team that still has a lot of opportunity moving forward, and it's coming off of a couple of really good drafts. He's Andrew Callahan. Read him in the Boston Globe. Follow him on Twitter. I mean, Boston Herald. Sorry. <laughs> Cardinal Sin. That's like saying Mac Jones is the quarterback of the Jets. Cardinal Sin. He's Andrew Callahan. Read him in the Boston Herald. If you're a media member and have a complaint about the way the media works here in New England, complain to him. He's the president of the local PFWA chapter. This has been another check-in with a guy from the Patriots beat on a Wednesday here at Gillette Stadium. This is the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. All right. Good job by Callahan. Good job by you. I really do enjoy Andrew's perspective. Like he's really informed. Like he's like the Andrew Callahan from the Herald. To me, he's like the cutting edge of the next wave of Pete. He and like Evan Lazar, they do a great job breaking things down in their own distinct ways. But like he's on the forefront, the cutting edge of like that next generation of Patriots reporters. I think uh, our media, our coverage and our analysis is in good hands with guys like uh, Andrew Callahan, you enjoyed. Spe- it sounded like you genuinely enjoyed speaking with him as well. Uh, I did because well, he's he's definitely um, comes at a little different angle than I do. Obviously, yes. definitely yep. a little more analytical, analytics-driven, uh-huh. modern numbers. And I, but he does it to me in a better way than some in that he weaves it in. It is not the foundation of his opinion. Yes, it is sort of an argument that backs up his opinion or solidifies. So. No, I do. And for me, the, the biggest thing is I, I love his energy. Like, I think he cares. I think he brings energy to the discussion, the debate, the analysis. And that's the first person, the first thing I look for in, in a reporter. Okay. Well, uh, I would like to bring some energy and some perspective to this conversation, to our preview and predictions for this game. Big Can I just Nick say energy. right now, you're, I'm going to bring some big Nick energy right now. That's right. Damn right. I am now currently suffering from something I am calling Oof. Offensive analysis fatigue. I am sick and tired of talking about Orlovsky said this. Oh, but uh, 
Next Gen said that. Oh, if you look at the All-22, is it Patricia? Is it Mac Jones? What role does Joe Judge have? Belichick could step in and fix. I am the receivers. They're not open. The hitch, the go, the spatial ratio. Enough. Enough. Like, I, I, I think I'd like to speak on behalf of anyone who watches or covers or roots for this team. Enough of all of the passing of the buck and or trying to figure out who to blame. Get on the same page. Find a way to advance the ball and stop literally pulling everyone backwards through 2021, back behind 2021, back behind 22 into 21, back to 2020. Like this team is making massive, massive steps in the wrong direction. It is a group regression and whoever and however they fix it, they need to do it. And I know the Jets isn't the team to try to have a get right game against Andy. Tough shit. You have to play who's on the schedule out of the bye. You're against an angry Jets team that's got one of the five best defenses, in my estimation, in the NFL. Them's the card you were dealt. This is your hand. Play it. Win. So have you ever had a laptop that is getting old and it's really starting to run slow and suck? And sometimes it kind of crashes and you do the old, well, guess I'll unplug it, plug it back in, pull the battery, press power, cross my fingers and say, please work, please work. I don't really want to go spend 1500 bucks on a new laptop today. To me, that's yeah, that's, that's usually that. when I take, that's usually when I actually uh, take a week off of drinking beer and exercise more. <laughs> to me, that's the Patriots offense right now. I have no reason to believe this laptop's going to work better when I plug it back in, but I'm really just hopeful that something weird inside that laptop kind of like clicks and goes back to the way it used to be a couple of years earlier before maybe I downloaded too much porn or went to some shady dark websites whoa. or could you have, whoa, whoa, you have a download me. You could just have trackers on there. There could be just a lot anything. of like, I went to Brady's FTX website, like a totally oh. pork there and that Ponzi scheme. Like, so I, that it, I don't really know why you would have this great faith that basically they had two extra practices over the last bye week and that it's going to just magically be better. Oh, David Andrews is back, so everything will be solved. You know, Kyle Duggar, Christian Barmore, the defense. Yeah. The defense isn't the problem. The defense is fine. The defense is going to take a step back because I think the competition is going to increase, but the defense will still be the better part of your team. The offense, the oof, the Matt Patricia. We did an interview on WEI today uh, when I was working with uh, Gresh and Keith, filling in for Gresh. Michael Irvin is like, I never doubted Belichick ever before, but this time... Oh my God, you screwed this up. Like it's, it's not working. You put Matt Patricia in a position to fail. You put your offense in a position to fail. So it's like the dream of it being a good offense is old yeller. The bullet has already been fired. It is dead. You just need to say, can, can we somehow stay above water, right? Just, just be good enough. Suck less as uh, Lou Merloni likes to say, suck just a little Turn the ball over less, get sacked less, less penalties. Because I don't think it's it's not magically going to be no turnovers, no penalties. Wow, this passing game is really clicking. And whoa, Kendrick Bourne is suddenly 100 yards. No, pull your head out of your dreaming bunghole and just realize you just need a little bit better. And I think that's realistic. Could that come against the Jets? It's not the perfect scenario where they like to rotate defensive linemen and just get after it and put pressure and you know, their defense is one of the best in the NFL. It's not a get right game on paper. It is not. But you better find a way to get closer to right or your season is over.
And, and we heard uh, when we were talking to Will Parkinson from Turn on the Jets about how his his wish, his almost dream, if you will, is to have the Jets just be boring against the Patriots. Absolutely. Don't turn the ball over. Don't make the mistakes that play into Belichick's hands and give a veteran coach, the savviest coach perhaps in the NFL, the opportunity to capitalize on your mistakes. Actually just go out there, execute a simple game plan, and your talent should be greater than the other team's talent. The Patriots have plenty of talent to be competitive, and I'm sure there are people listening right now or just people in the far reaches of Pat's Nation who are saying, yeah, well, if they're so bad, how come they got a winning record? Or like, oh, they must be so terrible. All I've heard is people complain about them for six months. And yet here they are five and four and they're in the playoffs. The record of the teams they played in the first half was just over 400. They didn't really beat a good team. The only good team they beat per se was the Jets. Mm. And that was because of self-inflicted wounds and the Jets basically sending the game to the Patriots via Amazon Prime. Like if Zach Wilson doesn't throw that game away or John Parker Lewis or John Henry Richard or Robert Louis Stevenson or whatever the hell the three named linemen who committed the roughing the passer against Mac Jones. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if he doesn't yell Vinny, Vitty, Vicky, Vichy, and then run up and sack Mac Jones after he delivers the ball, it's maybe a blowout season over and who knows which direction the Patriots are going in now. But I just, I, 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 I think a lot of people just took the time off during the bye. Mac called it, what, what did Mac Jones say? Self-audit time. Yeah. Bill Belichick said the coaches had a lot of work to do, whatever that means. Uh I took a little time away. Obviously, we had to keep up with the podcast, and there's nonstop chatter on dot com and on the radio. But this week, just going over everyone over analyzing the Patriots and trying to figure out what's wrong, the answer is almost everything on offense is wrong. Outside of Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson, and, and maybe Mike Onwenu, you got three out of eleven players, 12, 15 players total on offense that get a passing grade. Otherwise, everyone gets a borderline F. Like it's it's clunky. So, all right. How do they, let's say the Patriots go out and play. What is the closest thing to an offensively flawless game for them on Sunday? How does that happen? Uh, I think you, your offensive line looks better in whatever machination it is, whether that's win you know, over at left tackle at or... left and Trent Brown at right. And David Andrews, obviously back. And maybe David Andrews being back pumps up Cole strange, or maybe Cole strange just needed like a Reset moment of a little rookie wall. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, it starts with that line. It starts with being able to run the football, take away a little bit of the Jets' pass rush. It's very cliche. Like it's it's run the football. Don't, as Max said, keep keep away from anything negative, whether it's a two-yard loss on a run, a sack, a holding call, a false, like you have to. I don't know if you can eliminate them because they've been too frequent, but at least cut back on those negative plays. At least give yourself a chance to stay on script and what you want to do. And then Mac, I think, and I'm a contrarian here. I do think Mac has turned a confidence corner for the better over the last couple of weeks. I think he's on an upward tick emotionally in the buy-in process. I think he bottomed out in the zappy fever replacement the whole thing. It couldn't have things. gotten worse for him than being hearing, hearing booze cascading right. down from the fans who supposedly love him and buy his Jersey on that bears game night. So I think he will be better or closer to what, you know, quote unquote, good Mac is, or the non-broken Mac is um, you're going to need some guys to make plays. We've talked about it a little bit, whether it's Marcus Jones gets a chance on offense, whether it's Kendrick Bourne, just 
get born the ball, a bubble screen, some of those deep crossers or anything to get him involved. Cause he is a, he's a bottle of energy that wants to be positive and wants to contribute and wants to be contagious. Give him an opportunity to do that. He's your closest thing still in my mind to a legitimate playmaker or, or what could be a consistent playmaker. And that's not a shot at Myers. Myers is who he is, but he is who he is. So I think it starts with the line. I'm really intrigued with the idea of the, the win Trent Brown flip-flop. It kind of pisses me off because I think you're kind of giving in to a sulky little bum in win who like didn't bring the positive energy. I was going to say bitch, but it didn't seem professional. So I said bum. Um, it's a podcast, you know? Yeah. It just seemed unprofessional. So I tried to it, avoid it, but I just told you I was thinking it. So I'm not sure if I, he was a bit it. of a, he was, it was a bit of a grouse. It's like a, a child. I think like he, right. Oh, you're going to play me on the sulk. I'm going to suck. I'm going to get penalties. I'm going to give up pressures. But we know he can play left tackle. We know Brown can play left tackle. Like, Wynn has been good enough at times at left tackle. Brown has been good at right. So give in. Try that. Try to solidify the line. And I do think everything could incrementally snowball. This isn't midwinter. This isn't Buffalo snow where they have six feet of snow and we're going to make mm -hmm. the biggest snowball ever. This is like first dusting. Your kids want to go out. The grass is still kind of poking through, but if it's wet enough, you can squeeze a snowball together, roll it and get a little teeny snowman. That's what they need to do. Snowball in that little bit of a positive direction. Right. Just take, take what's given to you. And I think yeah. it's going to involve obviously the run game and they're going to have to get the tight ends involved. Oh my God, just hearing on the radio earlier today, or maybe it was a podcast, I don't know where. There's just so much information that flies fast and furious at us. All these facts and figures coming out of Foxborough. It's too much. That's why I said well, I've got oaf, offensive analysis fatigue. But the fact that like, oh, not only are Hunter and Janu getting paid a, uh, I think the clinical, I think the appropriate term is butt ton of money this year. Mm -hmm. They're owed a, but ton more next year and they're likely sticking around especially john smith so like if you don't like what you've seen you better start to like what you've seen or what you're seeing because it's going to be around for a while that like they've got no choice but to make it work with who they got there is no trade deadline there's no farm system you can call up some like the magic playmaker from how much could you expect out of taekwon thornton after he basically regressed the last couple games heading into the bye I don't know where the spark is going to come from, but maybe like you said, the spark isn't like, come on guys, we're going to make the biggest, most epic snowman ever. Or like, let's build an ice castle. Like, no, be happy. You've got enough to be able to huck a snowball across the driveway and maybe peg your brother in the back and just get a little border war going. That's all you need. The jets are not the team that you're going to lay the lumber to or drop the hammer or smack down on. Like if you win Sunday, chances are, it's going to be a three to seven point win. That's enough to get the confidence building going forward. Then we'll figure out how the hell you stop Minnesota after you squeak by the Jets. Yeah, and, and the team that wins this game is probably going to do it based on their defense, based on which quarterback is a better game manager, you know, avoids mistakes or avoids mistakes the most, you know, maybe has one turnover but doesn't turn it into a turnover-filled day. And, you know, I, I've talked a little bit about this. I do find it interesting that I think, both Mac needs to get back to his roots, which is game manager. And I think Zach Wilson is trying to get Mac level game management as part of his game in year two. Who knows where he is in year four? Maybe he can become Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and, you know, off platform and scrambling him, arm talent. No, no, no. Right now, just don't F it up like you F'd it up last time you played the Patriots. But um, this should be fun because I do think there's an interesting energy in this game from both teams. 
the the energy that Zach Wilson, your boy, brought post game last time with his pads on and Harry Hardo and all your that. boy. Yeah, no, your boy. Um, your boy. You're the Jets guy. I mean, you love their talent. Oh, just because I said they had a good draft and just because I think they've got a really good chance to win this game this week, suddenly now I'm, you know, I'm yep. Jet. No, you go- is my new nickname Jetsy? It's not great. It's I mean, better than nothing. I mean, it did. was. Um, you saw what I did there. It wasn't bad. It, it, it was fine. I wouldn't really take go home with it. I mean, I'm, I I would prefer not to be known as Jetsy at this point. I mean, yeah. Um, but it's this is this is a passionate but not pretty game. I think is the way I would phrase it. And talking to some of the players this week, they feel it like there's there's not pressure, but there's like a, a sense of urgency. They know the situation, even though they're taking it one game at a time. They're not going to allow themselves to look at the three games in twelve days or the second half schedule, whatever. I think they know the sense of urgency is there, but there also has to be some confidence. I'm sorry. It's not an accident. You beat a team 13 times in a row. That is not an accident. You don't Mm -hmm. stumble into 13 game winning streaks against a team. You have some advantages and you need to continue to maximize those. And maybe just maybe the young jets overthink this, try too hard, care too much. You know, I, I said to Tom Karn on TV the other night, you may remember this game. There was a Patriots at Jets game eight years ago. Might have been 10 years ago now. It was a while mm-hmm. where the Patriots changed everything offensively. They had been scuffling. They came out. Every player had wristbands. They changed the way they called plays. They were using whiteboards. They were holding up on the things they had never done before. And it was a poop show. It did not work. And they had to, it was like, well, why are you doing this? And it was, I think it might have been coming out of a buy, actually. And okay. it's like, you can try too hard. You can think too much. Mm-hmm. And I think the Jets have to be careful not to do that. I actually think the Jets are good enough that it's a very simple game plan. Play our game and we win. Just play our game. Like, we don't have to go do something crazy. Correct. Our defense is really good. Our offense is good enough. This is not going to be a shootout as long as we don't make it a shootout with turnovers and dumb plays. Like, we're good enough to play Jets football under Robert Sala and win this game. And if they do that, well, then I don't know what the hell's going on. Anymore. But I, I'm also going to tell you something else. I learned a lesson. I learned oh, a lesson earlier oh, it's lesson. Week. It's a new, uh, new feature on the podcast. Lesson time with Uncle Andy. So remember when I picked, they, they call me Uncle Doodoo. Um, just so you know. So we'll stick with Uncle Andy. Okay. Yeah. But remember when I picked the uh, Lions and Jared Goff to come into Gillette Stadium and win? Oh, I sure do. I'm, that, well, we're going to give you a season-ending award for that one. I, as Belichick likes to call them, I am not an error repeater. I learn from my mistakes. And I don't believe in Zach Wilson. I don't believe Zach Wilson is mature enough and ready enough. And part of it is he's banging his mother's friends and he's coming to the podium popping gum and like with his pads still on, he still seems like a bit of a jackal to me, a word I like to use. So I am not going to say that the 13-game win streak ends because Zach Wilson who's been good on the road, actually. The Jets are 4-0 and on the road. He's 5-1 and yeah. as a starter. But yep. I don't care. None of that matters. What matters is what Zach Wilson does when he looks across the field at Gillette Stadium and sees Bill Belichick and sees a veteran defense and Crapoli, his pantolis. And I think he will do that yet again. So I am, don't worry about it. I am counting on Zach Wilson to do Zach Wilson things, just like I should have counted on Jared Goff to vomit on himself and be a puddle of his own poo like he was against the Patriots. Doesn't matter how these guys play against other teams. 
it matters how they play against the Patriots. So give me the damn Patriots to win this game. I am going to say they do get to 20. 20 to 13, Patriots win. May not be easy, but it will be energetic. The rivalry is close to back on. The border war is close to back on. But the Patriots remain the hammer. They're just not the really big sledgehammer anymore. They're more of like that little tap. A nice ball peen hammer. Like yeah, a little, it's a little yep. like mm-hmm. little short strokes. What what am I doing? I'm not really sure yet. You lost me at Pantoli Crapoli, but uh, you know, whatever works for you, that's fine. Un- Uncle Dudu, that gets gets the job done. Uh, I I'm not shy in saying that I think the Jets have made massive strides and amazing progress towards turning their ship around, becoming a good team in the in the division and conference, a relevant team. And in my rundown of how I thought the second half of the season would go, I actually said I thought the Jets could win this game. So I probably should stand by my own words. And then you can feed them to me later on. Because I do not believe that Matt Jones, Matt Patricia, and this offense have done enough to convince me that they're going to – lightning will strike twice and they'll be able to win a game by default against the Jets. The Jets are the team that can learn from the mistakes they made in the first game Whereas what have, what will the Patriots have learned from that game? Like, Hey, uh, you know, Zach Wilson will do Zach Wilson things. They'll do Jetsy things and we'll win. Catch the ball when Zach Wilson throws it to you. Yeah. That's all you got to do to win the game. Um, I, it's a field goal game one way or the other. I'm thinking 2017, 1916. Uh, it's going to be cold, crisp. going to be like, you know, like an embrace from Andy Hart, you know, icy very, you know, going to be, <laughs> It's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be a tough one. If if the game goes without a lot of Zach Wilson errors, the Jets fulfill their end of the bargain and they win the game. If the Patriots can play mistake free football themselves and coax him into one or two errors, some 50-50s, maybe the Pats escape with a dub and won't ever one sleep well in Pats Nation. I picked the Jets. I picked the Jets. You never said it. Say it one more time. I said I pick. The Jets, and I'm not happy about it. That's how unhappy I am with the way this Patriots offense has gone. And I hope they show me up as the fraud you think I am after that game on Sunday. And we'll talk about it on the Six Rings postgame show on WEI. That'll do for this episode of Six Rings and Football Things. A big, fat welcome back from the bye. Jets at Patriots preview. Andrew Callahan from the Boston Herald. Will Parkinson from Turn on the Jets. Producer Justin Turpin. Jumbo Hart, your old pal Fitzy GFY, John Elway, everyone listening. We'd all like to thank each other for being a part of this podcast. Uh, you can always follow us at Six Rings Pod on the socials. Rate, review, subscribe wherever football and awesome podcasts are found. Spotify, Apple Pods, Podbean, the Odyssey app, and so much more. We'll talk to you Sunday after Jets at Patriots on the Six Rings postgame show in WEI. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Good day, God bless, and as always, go Pats. See you.